So today we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we've reached a point where Jesus begins to talk about investment. And you would be shocked how much Jesus talks about investing in Scripture. If you read through the parables, we're going to in a little bit, there's a ton of information about investing. Jesus talks about returns over and over and over again. It feels really unholy almost, right? It feels like, why are we talking so much about this? But it's so significant. So what what we've been doing the last few weeks is Jesus has zeroed in on talking about our private life. He's talked about our prayer life. He's talked about going into the closet. He's, He's talked about giving and how we give and how we don't parade our holiness in front of everybody. But in the quiet place and in the holy place and in the secret place, we pray and we seek God and we seek the kingdom. And we do all of these things, not publicly like the Pharisees so that everybody can see us, but we do it privately. And so Jesus' Sermon on the Mount has over and over and over again critiqued the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious rulers. They're the leaders. They're the teachers of the law. They are the church people. But now Jesus kind of turns his critique not to the Pharisees, but to the Gentiles, to the world, to culture, to the world around us. And and I think we have a tendency right now in the church that we choose to critique either the church or the world. So I meet people and I'll have lunch with them, and I'm just like, man, you are really angry about the church. And they're just firing off all their critiques of the church. And, and to be fair, like, the church needs to be critiqued, right? There are lots of things in the church in America that needs to be critiqued and evaluated and talked about and discussed. Like, I'm so tired of reading stories of pastors who've had moral failings. I'm so tired of seeing power structures that, that are withholding from women or from minorities. I'm so tired of seeing structures in the church that are actually causing damage to the people in their church. It, we, there is. We've got to critique that. We've got to be honest about where we are. We've got to be honest about we've created systems that are producing this kind of fruit, and this is not the kind of fruit that we want to produce. We've got to be honest about we're not training our seminary leaders, and we're not training our pastors to fall in love with Jesus. We're teaching them to fall in love with the stage. We've got to be honest that we've created personality cults instead of followers of Jesus. We've created churches where people are going for the best worship leader who's singing the best songs and the best pastor who's bringing the best message rather than the place that's actually seeking Jesus with all their heart, soul, and mind. We have to to acknowledge all of these things, and it's fair to critique the church. But in our critique of the church, let's not forget that we also need to critique the world around us. So I meet these other people who are just so angry about the world around us. They want to create a protective huddle, and we got to hide from the world around us. And can you believe where the world is? Gas prices. Can you believe it? Like, can you believe where everything's going? Can you believe what's happening in Washington? Can you believe what's happening in Cobb County? Can you believe what's happening over here? And everything is a critique of what's happening outside. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus was an equal opportunity critiquer. Jesus was able to critique Republicans and Democrats, men and women, white and black, he critiqued the world in front of him and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to lift up the values of of, of God and we're going to follow him and we're going to walk into this. And so um, what's interesting about this to me is if I'm really honest, when I read the Bible, the critique of the Pharisees doesn't really hit me as hard as the critique of the Gentiles. So Jesus' critique of the world 
is sometimes harder for us in the church to receive because you want to know one of the things that Jesus talks about? I, there's so many people that sit down with me like, we got to take the Bible literally, everything, every word, inerrant, all of these kinds of things. And they want to like, we got to lift up the value of scripture. I'm 100% behind that. We got to do that. We got to apply everything, yes. But the moment the Bible starts talking about money, that's just good advice. We don't take that stuff literally. Right? Are you with me? Like we got to take it all literal. We got to take it serious. We got to be important about it. And so, what we do with the Sermon on the Mount is we love the part on personal holiness. Yes, Lord, we need to be more holy. Yes, Lord, there's a lot of people out there that are just waving their arms around and saying their loud prayers, and we got to critique them and be upset about them. But the moment it turns towards our pocketbooks, it just got real. And that turns into good advice. And not something that we're supposed to take literal and serious. I, I, I would suggest that Jesus' message about money, that his message is about power, that his message is about authority, that his message about how we carry ourselves, not just in our private life, but in our public life, in our business life, in our goings and doings, in our generosity, that all of that should be taken just as serious as the call to pray. Now, if I started railing about prayer right now, I would get 100 amens. If I rail about generosity and money and finances, somebody say amen, Ted. I get, I get one. I get one. Uh, he, here's where he starts. He starts with this, this kind of principle. Invest in the kingdom and avoid obsessive accumulation. Uh, if you think about America, we are great at obsessive accumulation. There, there's a passage in scripture that we're going to spend some time on in a few minutes that talks about building bigger barns. Uh, if you go right now and take out your phone, you don't have to do it, but if you were to, and to look up storage units, how many storage units do you think there are in Cobb County? I don't know. There's just a lot of them. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> don't know the answer, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot, right? Like, storage units are the example of building a bigger barn, right? I don't even have room for all my stuff. I don't even have, like, we don't have space. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to myself. I don't have room for all my stuff. My garage is overflowing with junk. My attic is overflowing with junk. Like this idea of obsessive accumulation, this idea of gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. And, and, and Jesus says there's a better way. Instead of uh, obsessively accumulating and gathering and building bigger barns and, 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 and creating more things for yourself. And we, let's just be honest, we, we, we sell that as holiness. We sell it as wisdom. We sell it as, I'm gonna pass this on to the next generation. I'm gonna give this to my kids. My, my kids don't want that stuff, right? Anybody that's had a family member that they love pass away and you've had to go clean up their stuff, you know you don't want 90% of what they wanted to give you. We love you, but we don't want it. I, I don't want my mom's trophies from fourth grade. I don't, I don't need that. I, I love you, mom. You, that spelling bee was amazing, but, but I'm not going to put that on the mantle. Like, we don't need it in a box in the attic anymore. Like, sorry, I'm getting off track. Here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and just real simple passages that we're going to spend time with today. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. That word lay up in many of the passages is store up. Don't store up for yourself things on earth, but store up for yourself things in heaven. And there's this real contrast that Jesus begins with of the difference between earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. There are things that matter in heaven, and there are things that matter on earth. And if you have a choice, invest in the things of heaven. That's what Jesus is saying, very simply. So let's look at this. Let's look at some of these parables. Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, starts with a parable of the rich fool. He says, the land of a rich man produced plentiful, and he thought of himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere else to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, I love this, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, that's tough, because that's how most of us live. I'm going to work until I'm too tired to work anymore. I'm going to save as much as I can possibly save in that time. I'm going to have a nest egg for my kids. I'm going to have money saved up. I'm going to store it all up. I'm going to be ready. And if i got to build a bigger barn to put my spelling bee trophies, I'm good. I'm putting them in there. Uh, and, and, and soul, time to retire. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, for this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus says, the one who is building bigger barns to accumulate obsessively is a what? Fool. Is a fool. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Listen to this one. I love this one. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. There's this guy. He's out in a field. The field is for sale. It doesn't mention that, right? There's a big for sale sign out there. He's hanging out in the field. He finds this treasure. I don't know how big the treasure is. It's a significant treasure. And so here's what he does. He he finds this treasure in the field. He covers it up. I'm making sure that nobody else finds it. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has so that he can buy that field. Finds a treasure in a field. And I love this image. Like he sells everything. There's this dude who gives up everything that he possibly can get because the investment in the treasure that's in the field is better than what he currently owns and possesses. We don't think like this with the kingdom of God. Do we actually believe that everything that we own, everything that we possess, everything that I have, everything that I am, all of my time, all of my possessions, all of those things are great, but there is a treasure somewhere out there that is greater than what I have, and if I have eyes to see the kingdom, I will invest everything and give up everything to get the treasure of a greater price. It goes on more. The kingdom of heaven uh, is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding a pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here's what he's saying. Listen, you can gather up all of this stuff. You can have all of these things. You can carry all of these possessions. You can have all of these treasures on earth. But you have to understand that there is a greater investment out there. There is a treasure in a field that is waiting for you. There is a possibility of investment that is better than the way that you've been thinking about investment. 
uh, the parable of the talents is a perfect example of this. And I, I, I wish I could spend more time on all of these parables. We could just do a whole series on all of these. But it's, it's amazing how many of these parables have to do with investment and return. How many of these have to do with earthly treasures and, and, and heavenly treasures? Matthew 25, verse 20, Jesus tells the story of the talents. And he says, the one who received five talents came forward. He had the, 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 the owner had given out talents to all of these different people. And, and the one who came forward bringing his five talents and saying, Master, you delivered me five talents, and I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, for you are faithful with little, and I will give you much. Enter into the joy of the master. And he also, who had ten talents, came, or two talents, came forward saying, Master, you gave me two talents, and I have made two talents more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, so I will give you much. Enter into the joy of the master. And he also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I know that you're a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here's what is yours. And the master said, You wicked and slothful servant. How many of us live our lives exactly like the last guy and call it faithfulness? How many, I, like, I, I, I do church consulting and I travel to churches all over the country and I cannot tell you how many times I show up to churches who have a nest egg that is larger than anything I've ever seen or could imagine and they are just sitting there. It was a rainy day, right? What if an earthquake comes through and the church falls down? What if there's a tsunami in Missouri? Or I, like, I, I don't know. Like, we've got all of these things. We've saved up all this stuff, and we're just holding it. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Invest in the kingdom. Spend yourself. Go out and get rid of that stuff. Go out and lead. And, and here's, here's the reality. And it seems so harsh, and it seems like a harsh critique. Like, he's calling people fools. He's saying, you wicked servant. And it feels so crazy. But here's what, here's what he's saying. Like, what happens here on earth is not what's significant. And those who have eyes to see can see that we're here for a time, but what we're really living for is a future kingdom, a future place. We have eyes to see what's happening here on earth, but we recognize our home is not here. We are strangers in this place. We are foreigners in this place. And there is a better world that is ahead of us. There is a kingdom that is awaiting us. And what we invest in now, if we invest it in the kingdom, it produces a return. If we invest in the world, there is zero return. We should be the most generous people in the world when it comes to kingdom giving. We should be the most generous people in the world with our time. Because we recognize I can invest in this thing over here, but that's only going to produce earthly results. But I can invest in this relationship here. I can invest in loving and serving and blessing and caring. I can invite people to eat at my table. I can proclaim good news over them. I can encourage them and urge them on in their faith. I can open up the word with a word that is sharp and that teaches. And, and I, I can sit with people and I can invest my time in the kingdom. And that's the return that's worth the investment. Like guys, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm a pastor. I, I, I work a good amount of hours at the church, right? I, I'm here every single week, and at the end of my week, oftentimes, if I'm going to be really honest with you, I spend a lot of my time investing in things that don't have a spiritual kingdom return. We can be so caught up in the urgent 
we can be so caught up in just things that are happening all around here. Like we, I, I was at this church in Missouri over the weekend and was hanging out with these guys. It was, it was a great, great thing. But we were meeting with their children's team, and their children's team kept complaining that there was a TV broken. There was like 30 people in the room, and, and we, we did these report outs about how are things going in your ministry, and, and all of them put the TVs broken on it. Everybody was like, the TV, like, it kept coming up. And I was getting irritated. So I was like, we, I want to do something significant with y'all. I didn't come here. Like, it was literally middle of nowhere, Missouri. I don't know where I was. And I was like, I didn't come here and give up my weekend with my family to talk about the TV that's broken. So finally, I got so irritated, I was like, all right, there are 35 people in this room. We need a new TV. Who will go to Walmart and buy a TV? And some lady was like, oh, I'll do it. And I was like, problem solved. Next thing, let's talk about the kingdom, right? We, we get so wrapped up in like there's a broken TV. We got to get the grass cut out there. Our bathrooms stink. We got all these things. And I'm like, invest in the kingdom. Let's invest in the kingdom. Here's the reality. Good investors are always looking for ROI. If you're a good investment, I would say worldly or kingdom investor, you're looking for a return on your investment. Right? You're always looking for, I want to get the highest return for the investment that I make. That's wise, right? Jesus talks about returns over and over and over again. It sounds so worldly to talk about this. Like, it sounds like this is not holy at all. You know how many times Jesus talks about a hundredfold returns? Eight times. Eight times he talks about a hundredfold returns. Mark 10, verse 29, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is, one, there is no one who has left their house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for the sake of the gospel who will not receive what? A hundredfold now in this time. If I could promise you a hundred times your investment today and I set up a booth right here after the service, and you know 100% you're getting 100 times whatever you give me at the end of this service. You all are lining up. Right? If you give me $100 today and I'm going to give you 10000 next week. I will take that every time. Are you with me? I will take that every time. That's smart. That's just wisdom. Here's what Jesus is saying. When we invest in the kingdom, there is a hundredfold return. Like, I just think about Grant coming up here and talking about, we got four kids that are getting baptized as children, as teenagers. Think about the kingdom life that's ahead of them. Think about the kingdom breakthrough that those children are going to bring in their life for the next 60 or 70 years. Think about the people that they're going to touch. Think about the organizations they're going to change. Think about the people they're going to lead to Jesus. Think about the good news that they're going to proclaim. Think about the generosity they're going to pour out for the kingdom. They've got their whole life ahead of them. That's more than a hundredfold return. That's more than a hundredfold return. Kingdom investment has a greater return than earthly investment. Every time. Isaiah 58 says this, I love this, Isaiah 58, 10 says, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. If we learn to spend ourselves on behalf of the kingdom, if we learn to invest in the things of God and, the, and, 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 and we don't stop storing up, stop accumulating, stop gathering the things of this world and say, I don't know how this works, but I'm giving it all for the kingdom. 
something amazing happens. And can I just suggest that our ROI, our return on investment, is not just about our money. It's about our time as well. Because if I'm going to be really truthful for you, my time is more valuable to me than my money. So a lot of times what happens is we get, like, I'll hear news of a missionary or somebody that's doing some great kingdom work somewhere, and it's fairly easy for me to write them a check of some sort. I'm not writing them a giant check, right? But it's, I, can, I can do a little something, right? That's easy for me. You know what's harder for me? I'm going to spend time coaching that missionary. And I'm going to meet with them weekly for an hour. And I'm going to pray with them. And I'm going to pour into them. And I'm going to teach them what I know about Jesus. And I'm going to try and give them what I have. That's a harder investment for me than writing them a check. And I think sometimes what we've done is we've used our finances to invest in things when actually Jesus is inviting us to use our time and our talent. And we've, 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 we've called faithfulness writing a little check when the actual investment is like, no, I actually want you to invest in the kingdom. I want you to invest your talents, your time, your energy, your giftedness. I want you to prop somebody up on your back, and I want you to help them accomplish the dream that they have for the kingdom of the world. That's faithfulness. That's when the church becomes the church, is when we look around and say, these are my brothers and sisters. This is my family, and I will leverage everything I have so that you experience the kingdom in your life. And I'll pour myself out for it. I'll spend myself on behalf of that mission. And think about this. We, we have 168 hours in a week. 168. All of us. I, I've tried to figure out how to get more time in a week. You, you can't do it. I've prayed for it. God didn't answer that prayer. 168. Uh, let's say you, you, you spend 40 hours a week working. Spend eight hours a night sleeping. Let's give you 20 hours of family time. Seems good. You got 52 hours left. 52. Are we honestly investing that 52 in the kingdom? After we've worked, after we've slept, after we've spent time loving our family and caring for them, are we spending ourselves on behalf of that 52 hours? Are we giving ourselves away? Statistics right now say that 70% of, uh, of the most committed people in the church will only attend twice a month. So it used to be that as a pastor, if you were trying to reach 100 people and have, a, have an attendance in your church of 100, you would have to have about 125 people in your, in your group. Right? Does that make sense? About 25% would, would show up every other week, that kind of thing. Right now, 70% of people are saying, I can't even give one hour a week to this thing. So right now, in order to have 100 here in our service, we actually have to have relationships with 170. I, I, can't, I couldn't do the math beyond that. I just, and some of you accountants can figure that out. But, but as it, like the, the reality, like if we want to grow the church... We've got to grow it exponentially larger than what we actually have in the room at any given time. Our influence in the community, our attendance on Sundays is right around 300 right now. Our influence in the community is 600 to 700. We're just not consistent. 
They're just not here. And I'm not saying that to guilt you into coming to church. I think there's a lot of you that probably shouldn't be at church. There's better things for you to be doing in the world. Like, if you're investing in the kingdom on a Sunday morning, go serve somebody, go love somebody, go care for somebody. But the reality for many of us is we're not coming because it's raining. Do you know our attendance goes down 35% every time it rains? It rains, y'all. I know y'all are afraid of snow, but rain. Right? Rain. If it gets cold outside, we can project the attendance is not going to be good that Sunday. You know what else? If it's really nice outside, we can project that the attendance is going to be low that Sunday. We need just marginal days. It can't be too good. It can't be too bad. I'm praying, Lord, like we just need average. Can you give us an average climate? Can you give us an average day? Don't make it too nice because everybody's going to the lake. Don't make it too cold because we don't want to get out of bed. It's a mess. And I don't say any of that to guilt and shame you. My priority is not to fill this room up. I say that so that we understand, like, we're actually in a place where our commitment to following Jesus and sacrificing for the kingdom is just declining week after week. In 2020, Gallup poll said that 47% of Americans went to church. It's the first time in the history of America it's dropped below 50%. It's 2020. That's what the number was in 2021. 31 15% in one year. And, 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 and listen, I, I understand. Like, I, there, there, you, there's digital things. Some of you are watching at home online right now. I'm grateful that we have a, an online presence. I'm grateful that there's people who can't make it here and are doing that. But I, I want to encourage you, like, come to church. It's not the same at home. I know y'all are doing the dishes while you're watching this. Like, I know that you're watching five minutes and then getting bored and pressing pause. And I, like, I, I know, like, I do the same thing when I'm gone. If you can be here, be here. We miss out when you're not here. Because we're blessed by you. You miss out on the blessing that we can give to you. We miss out on encouraging each other and dreaming and investing in all of those different things. Sorry, I'm, I'm going on too much about this. Here's what happens. Most churches are just managing diminishing returns. That's what we're doing. We're just managing diminishing returns. We've got this big crowd of 600, and we're managing the diminishing returns of tithing. We're managing the diminishing returns of giving. We're managing the diminishing returns of kingdom investment, of leaders. We don't have enough volunteers. We don't have enough people to serve. And all we're doing is fighting around this idea of diminishing returns. And I would suggest that in our attempt to invest in everyone, we're investing in no one. Jesus didn't say... Go after everybody. Get everybody. Get them all in. He said, go after the one. Because when we get the few, we get the many. Like, imagine this. Like, think about how many relationships every single person in here in this room has. All right, start with your family. Think about your cousins, even the weird ones, right? Think about your aunts and uncles. Think about your mom and dad, your grandparents. Everybody's got 25, 30 people in their family. Think about your neighbors, the people that live around you. Think about the people that you work with every single day that you're interacting with. Think about your hobbies and the way that you go spend your time and go have fun. Think about all of those things. Parents, think about how many, you run, how many people you run into at your kids' sporting events. Think about how many people you have access to or say words to or have a conversation with on any given week. Think about all the people that you send emails to. We have enormous capacity to reach the world. We're just managing diminishing returns. 
We've taught Christians that the most faithful thing to do is to show up on Sunday rather than to go and make disciples. And we've called them to fall in love with personalities, places, and programs instead of falling in love with Jesus. When we invest in the few, we reach the many. If, I just imagine if there were 10 of us in this room, 10 of us, who just decided I'm radically reshaping my 52 hours that I have for this week, and I'm going all in on Jesus. I'm investing so much more than I ever have before, and I'm going to stop just kind of living. I'm going to get after it. We change the world with those 10 people. Our, our, our vision statement is we want to awaken each other to live kingdom dreams in a world that's fast asleep. This is why this is so important to me, guys. People are always like, that's a weird vision statement. Why do you guys talk about dreams so much? Why are you talking about awakening? Like, why don't we talk about getting more people here on Sundays? Because if we can awaken all of you to live your kingdom dream, to do the thing that you were created to do, like, I actually believe that. There is a good work that was prepared for you in advance. There is a plan that God has for you. He prepared you. He made you. He crafted you. He gave you the gifts and talents and abilities and the look. He put you in the place that you're at. He gave you the friends that you have. He gave you the relational network that you have. He did all of that so that you would invest in the kingdom. And when we take that serious and when a group of people take that serious, all of a sudden we start reaching people that we never imagined that we could reach. It is short-sighted to imagine that we are going to reach people because of good preaching and good worship. We're going to reach people. Please, Lord. <laughs> it has everything to do with us investing in the kingdom. All of us taking those 52 hours and saying, all right, Lord, all I have is yours. It's just saying it. Everything. How do I lay it down for you? What does that look like? Uh, I've got a little graph here, and, and this is a graph that I've stolen from the business world. Um, this, this is how most startups and most companies and most churches work. Um, as you start up, as you're at the very beginning, everything is about reach. Right, so if you're a business, you're trying to reach more customers. You're trying to connect with more people. If you're a church, you're trying to reach more people. But as you grow, all of a sudden you've got inside that circle of growth, you've got all of these people that you don't have to just reach, you have to keep. And so what happens is in both businesses and churches, is what happens is you start worrying more about keeping than you do about reaching. And the moment you do that, you plateau and you begin to decline. But what happens is when you start keeping your focus on reaching, and you start saying, like, like I, we, we love the people that we have. We're going to invest in you. We want you to stay here. We're going to keep you. But the reality is the church isn't here for the people that are already saved. It's here for the people who don't know them. Jesus said, proclaim, heal, free, restore. This is the calling of the church. That was the mission of Jesus when he came to this earth, is we're going to go proclaim the gospel. We're going to free the oppressed. We're going we're to invest in the poor. We're going to give ourselves away on behalf of all of these things. And, 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 and it's really easy, guys, to get so caught up in keeping that we forget about reaching. And I just want to say that our investment is not going to be to double down on managing the institution of the church. Our investment is going to be giving everything we have to the church. And if you want a church that's managing an institution, I can give you lots of them. They're growing on Sundays, and they got a lot of people showing up. That's not the church we want to be. 
I don't care about our attendance. I care about our reach. That's what I care about. I don't care about how many people cuts are in the seat on Sunday. I care about how many, how many people are in the streets on Sunday. And, and we want to equip you and walk with you. We've got a Discover Retreat coming up where we're going to gather together and we're going to talk about what's the kingdom dream that's inside of you. Because what the world needs most is you fully alive. Do we really believe that? Like what the world needs most is you being the person that you were created to be. And I think some of us, if we're really honest, we're just breezing through life. We're storing up treasures in heaven. We're gathering all these things, but we're not spending ourselves on behalf of the kingdom. And we're wondering why we're not satisfied, why we're hungry, why we're frustrated, why we're irritated. It's because you're not doing the thing you were made to do. And I'm crazy enough, I'm ambitious enough, I might be silly enough to believe that that actually can happen in our lives. We want to awaken each other to live kingdom dreams in a world that's fast asleep. And you can spend your whole life investing in things that you could do. But we want to help you find the thing that you were made to do. And that's what we do. We gather together for a weekend in these discover groups. We spend time talking about what's the kingdom dream that's in your heart. What's the thing that Jesus is inviting you to invest in? And then we want to coach you and walk with you and help you launch that thing. We've got 14 groups called Kingdom Communities that have all just launched. And they all were birthed out of people in our church saying, I think this is the way Jesus wants me to invest in the kingdom. I want to lead this group. And I want to help our church in this way. I want to reach these people out here. I want to have fun in this way. I want to worship in this way. I want to disciple in this way. I want to pray in this way. And we're saying, let's go. Let's go. Let's release the kingdom. I've already talked too long, so I'm going to have the band come up. And, and here's, what I, here's what I want us to do. I, I, I want you just to start thinking about your 52 hours. I want you to think honestly about your time, your treasures, and your talents. I want you to think about your investment strategy right now. Are you honestly investing in the kingdom? Are you honestly spending yourself on behalf of the kingdom? Or are you storing up things on earth that moth and rust destroy? And here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to take communion, and there's communion cups all around the room, and there's stations where you can grab communion. And we take communion every week as an opportunity just to remember who Jesus was and what Jesus gave for us. We also do it as a time of reflection. We want to just stop and focus on Jesus for a minute. We want to just stop and say, all right, Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? And so ask Jesus today, Jesus, where do you want me to invest? What does it look like for me to invest in the kingdom? What, what's coming out? And, and here's my hope. My hope is that, oh, like, there's testimonies that come out of this week that say, I, I decided that I was going to start investing in the local junior high, and I started giving two hours of my time there a week, and here's the kingdom fruit that came from that. I decided that I'd, I could give more generously to this missions organization, or I could give more generously to this place, and all of a sudden I started giving more. God opened my heart to generosity. I decided that I actually have a talent in this area, and God gave me that talent, and I've been hiding it, not using it, not operating in my giftedness, and I decided I was going to have the courage to actually step out and say, I'm going to do the thing that God made me to do. And if it's embarrassing and if it's hard and if it fails, I'm just going to keep going. And I'm going to keep investing. I'm too old to pastor a church that doesn't want to get after it, guys. I want to go, guys. 
I want to reach Cobb County. I want this to be a transformational place for our community, not just for us. I want more and more stories of kids that show up in our facility and all of a sudden their lives are changed and there's a hundredfold return. I want more and more stories of people who walk in that back door thinking, I'm not sure that I belong to a church. I'm not sure that I could be a part of a church anymore. I've kind of given up on church, but I find a place here where I think Jesus is working and I think these people are humbly following him and I want to be a part of that and those lives are transformed and they change. I want more breakthroughs. just invite you to pray for that today. What's the investment that Jesus is inviting us into? What's the calling on our life? So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, eyes of heaven, we ask that you would give us wisdom to see where you're at work and where you're moving. We ask that you stir up generosity in us so that we would spend ourselves on behalf of the world around us. Lord, teach us to invest in your kingdom.